This is David Kaplan on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Cap and Company podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Cap and Company on ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. This is Cap and Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app along with Jesse Rogers, Jonathan Hood. We're in for Cap today. Carmen and Yurko come your way in an hour from now. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Let's keep our eyes, Jesse, on the Cubs and White Sox just for a moment because you saw the story that came across about the, the White Sox. Uh, as of now, the White Sox are not going to furlough or let anyone go. Um, the, the Cardinals, the Twins, the White Sox have informed their employees there won't be any pay cuts or furloughs through the end of June. Some front office workers with the White Sox could have their hours reduced because of work demands. Of course, they have changed. But the Sox, Twins, Cardinals right here in the uh, Midwest, uh, seems like everything's going to be okay. Yeah, the Cubs are, are cutting some pay, but not necessarily you know firing or furloughing anybody. So you know, every team has a different financial picture. I'm, I'm sure... You know, they're doing their best to pay their employees. I mean, every owner is going to be different, though, right, how he handles his business. Um, but uh, I, I like the idea, and we felt a little bit at the radio station, you know, the idea of not firing or furloughing people and just giving a, a flat pay cut to everybody. That's what the Cubs did. Or just paying everybody like the White Sox are doing. That's, you know, that's the best scenario where you don't cut anything. But but the idea that some people keep their jobs and some people lose their jobs, that that's rough, man. That is rough, you know. Everybody's important in those organizations. So across the board, pay cut seems like the fairest thing to do. And that's certainly what the Cubs have done in, in, in many instances with their employees. What, where the White Sox, it doesn't sound like they, they had to really uh, have any pay cuts right now, but maybe some reduced hours and stuff. Yes, Jesse, but we need to dig a little deeper on this now because we got to talk about reality. Even before COVID-19, we, I, I remember talking to you about what the Cubs will look like not only this year, but the next couple of years, because with David Ross, a name we don't bring up very often during this time, we haven't really delved into what is going to be the first year for David Ross. It is a determination this year on what the Cubs are going to be. Veteran Layton team, some of those guys from the championship team still around, like Rizzo and Bryant, because of how much uh, revenue that the Cubs and Tom Ricketts has put around the ballpark, there's got to be question marks about what the financial ramifications of COVID-19 is for them. Because if you are a team and you're looking for talent, if the Cubs are bailing out and have some issues financially, they will look at some of the, the hot players on this Cubs team. And maybe the Cubs would trade some of those guys. That's still in the, that's still a possibility. Is it not? I suppose. I mean, Sylvie brought that up to me last week. I mean, this idea that, once they restart, the Cubs are going to start dumping salary. Man, that would just look awful, not just in Chicago, but, but you know, league-wide. That would just have a bad look. Everyone's working hard to get back on the field and compete, and as soon as they, they, they take the handcuffs off these GMs, the Cubs start dumping salary. Well, Jesse, I, well, I, I'm going I'm to be I'm going to be naive and say I don't think it's going to happen. Well, Jesse, with or without COVID-19, if the Cubs got off to a bad start, they'd keep Brian around, keep Rizzo around? Oh, that's no that. Okay, so you're saying take COVID nineteen out of it, 
um, whether they're playing 82 or 162, if they're playing poorly, not in the race, going into whatever the trade deadline is going to be. Normally it's uh, uh, July 31st right. this year. Who knows? Oh, that makes sense to me. Yes. If they're not in the race, they'll start, you know, John Lester is a free agent. You start with the guys that are going to be free agents. I would actually include um, Kimbrell in that discussion, even though he won't be a free agent. But, yes, absolutely they'll dump salary in that respect. I thought you meant, like, um, you know, the roster freeze is over June 15th and June 16th the Cubs are dumping. No. If, if August 1st in this weird season they're out of the race already, then I could see it happen. But I don't even know if there'll be a trade deadline. Who knows? Well, that's the other thing, too. Like, say, for instance, I pinpointed, and again, it's just speculation. I pinpointed that baseball would officially start Fourth of July weekend, right? I mean, uh, I've thought that for over a month. Yeah, Absolutely. so so the pop and circumstance of you know old glory and it's uh, July third, the July fourth it falls on a Saturday this year. So like that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's baseball weekend. We're re- yes. we're open for business and again. It won't be it more than likely it won't be at ballparks that we know. It'll be in other places. But the point is that people can be able to watch baseball again, and so that would be a, a interesting time to open things up. I'm just thinking that if there's going to be a deadline or not, say, for instance, they played this out and the Cubs underachieve. So that means that the Cubs, you think, would have an, um, what would give the players on the roster another opportunity saying, oh, it's only a half a season. Let's take a look at this fully in 2021. Is that a possibility? Man, yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, this is something we can't even go off of any precedent, right? Like. Right. It's really hard. I, I guess a strike short in season might be some sort of precedent, but I'm, I'm thinking about tra- there obviously will be some sort of a trade deadline in an 80, 82 game season. Um, so they'll have the ability to dump now. But I know what you're saying. Like, you know, if you get off to a bad start here is 20 games. You know, you go you go five and 15 or five and 15 any, in any start. I guess you're out of it. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, seven and 13, you're, you're really out of the race almost. So. Um, I guess I get where you'd start dumping, but then the other hand, you say, okay, this was just a, sh- a weird season. Let's let's bring them all back in 21. I don't know if you can operate that way because everyone is getting a year of service time out of this. So if you're one year closer to getting, getting to free agency, um, I don't think the Cubs can afford to wait. I don't, I, 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 no, I think that if whatever they were going to do before, they have to continue to do. That's, that's the answer. If they're going to dump during the season, that's one thing. If they're going to dump in the offseason, that's a then, then that's what they will do uh, because everyone's getting that year of service time. The, you, their careers are moving forward, and, and the team needs to move forward with it. Okay, so I want to make sure that it's clear that no matter what the Ricketts have going on around the ballpark, farmer's market, whatever else they got to go around <laughs> Wrigley Field, right? Got to get the farmer's market out. Whatever is happening, you don't believe that that will have any financial strain on the Cubs as far as what they do baseball-wise? Because that's a big question. Cub fan, I'm, I'm sure there's a section of Cub fans that are wondering, when, whenever the season starts, will I see, see my guy Bryant? Will I see my guy Schwarber without any movement with the roster? My, and, and I'm going to say, my answer to for 2020, no. Okay. For 2021 and beyond, I have no idea. I have no idea. Everything is part of Everything you can't. Of course, it's part of the reality now. Ricketts and the organization has made less money, so that will absolutely affect things moving forward. But I don't know if that's going to affect payroll, beer prices, ticket prices. I don't know. It's going to affect something, though. But for 2020, I don't think they're going to start dumping salary. 
you know, June 1st, July 1st, whatever the date is before the season begins or even early in the season, unless they're way out of the race. Marquee Network ready to go when the season starts? Will I, will I, well, will it be on my Comcast? I, I think so, but I have not heard any, anything in terms of progress. Uh. You know that was going to be an 11th hour thing in the first place, so it's still going to be an 11th hour thing. It's going to be July 2nd. They come to an agreement, and baseball will be on Comcast. Okay. That, 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 if it happens, that's when it'll happen. Because I, I told you my plan. I would see it's one thing to be able to look at things black and white. I, you've got to be able to look at some other things, Jesse. As far as uh, Plan B, Plan C. My Plan B, Plan C is if if uh, the Marquee Network cannot come to an agreement with Comcast, you better come hat in hand to Svengooley and say, "Hey, twenty six, <laughs> can you? <laughs> hey, Channel twenty six, can you put our games on? Hey, hey, Power fifty. Could you put our games back on there just for a year to get this stuff straightened out? I'm just talking about you. ABC Seven for God's sake. Oh, look at this! He wants to put <laughs> he wants to put the polo back on. I there do. He, is. he wants to put the blue polo back on. Look at that. I do. I do. What do you think that What do you think the level of play is going to be if 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 they play? I mean, I'm worried about that as well. It's baseball, so it always is teetering on people being t- you know get uh, tuning out because it's boring. Uh, initially, I think there'll be excitement, but but you know a four hour poorly played game, and there's it's more likely to happen than not. I think that you know that is a possibility to turn some people off. The four hours is likely to happen because they're going to have thirty man rosters and seventeen man pitching staffs, and the bad baseball is likely to happen because they haven't played since October. Okay, they played a few preseason games, but you know what I'm saying. It's and yes, they'll have their two to three weeks to get ready, but these guys are creatures of habit, and if you take them out of their habit for six months. Uh, but I guess beggars can't be choosers. To, just to have the sport back will be good. But I have a feeling it may not be the best competition. That's all right, buddy. Uh, you know, uh, we have we've got the universal DH coming the way God wanted baseball to be played. Don't worry about it. Oh, the universal uh, DH is. Uh, <laughs> don't start. That, that. What do you need a manager if you if you have a DH? You, that's all you need a manager for is when to pinch hit for the pitcher. God, that's wa- the biggest decision of the game. God wanted a DH. God wanted a, a universal DH, and thank God we're going to get it. We're going. Why gonna, do you think? Most career NL managers are the guys that are hated uh, uh, compared to the AL guys. Dusty was hated. Joe Madden, not hated, but criticized, I guess is the word. Criticized much more than the AL guys. You know, Aaron Boone is yet to be criticized. You know, he's, those guys have it made in the shade. Yeah, well, well, let me understand. National League Baseball, when the pitcher comes up, that's, that's bathroom break time. We, we know that nothing's going to happen there. It's strategy at least, at least, time. You know, strat- see how two people here, can have here, two different views? Here's, a, here's an author of a Madden book, Jesse Rogers, <laughs> on the genius of the of, of putting the pitcher in ninth. That's outstanding. That's called strategy. Oh, Who for can, God's sake. You know, which pitching staff has the better hitting pitchers? You know, which... Well, I, should I pinch it for Kyle Hendricks now or not? This was this was what made sports radio during the Joe Madden era. <laughs> no, no, the, the the DH the way it's supposed to be. Now Schwarber has a position on the Cubs. True, that part's true. Huh? I'm sure Theo's licking his chops to have have him there. But this is the, the finally the Cubs are no longer as deep as they used to be. So first of all, if he's the DH, who's in left and who's in center? You know, Nico I mean, Horner. three years ago, it would have been great to have him as the DH when Solaire was coming up, but, you know, or, or Solaire be the DH. But but uh, now they're not deep enough to have a DH and have good, uh, good players in left and center. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number with Jesse Rogers. Jonathan Hood with you on Cap and Company. Here's Stephen Elmhurst. He's been holding patiently on ESPN 1000. Hey, Steve-O. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, you know, Jesse, I, I thought you might have some knowledge of this. 
when I look at the situation with the Cubs, I think it's rather unique in that you've got the, uh, a chance to sell rooftops um, because I think if you have less than 50 people uh, in each in each rooftop, you're going to be okay. And okay, uh, all I know so is if I, they want to, yeah, I looked into it about a week. Just think about it, how they could be like you know, put some put some cameras up on the rooftops to get crowd reaction and <laughs> make those seats like really really uh, desirable and you could have a lot of fun and and make some money on it. Well, first of all, I looked into this about a week ago, and they did not know yet if they were going to able to do it. There might be some red some red tape that we don't know about. My other thought is if you can let less than fifty in there, why not let a few in the in the in the Wrigley Field as well? I mean, you know. What's the difference if they're on the rooftop or in Wrigley? But obviously there's some regulations and red tape that's involved in this. But that would be pretty cool if the only fans allowed near the park were on the rooftop. How soon will That'd we be pretty cool? Yeah, it would be cool. How soon will we have baseball? We will talk about it coming up next on Cap and Company. You're listening to Cap and Company. See what Sparkles is up to on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago today. Cap and Company. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Along with Jesse Rogers, Jonathan Hood with you. We're in for Cap on Cap and Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. When will baseball return? We turn to ESPN baseball analyst and former Chicago White Sox outfielder Chris Singleton. He's with us here on ESPN 1000. Chris, this is Jonathan and Jesse. Thanks so much for your time. Gosh, my two favorite guys on the air in Chicago. Can't believe, man. We go way back, fellas. Come on now. We go about 20 years back. Is it April 1st? Is it April Fool's Day? Two favorites? Come on, Jesse. Come on, Jesse. (laughs) Good good to talk to you, Chris. I'm glad that you're on, man. Well, at least I know I'm his favorite. I don't know about you, Jess. I mean, you're a little little odd. Nonetheless, uh, so, Chris, uh, we just want to get your your thoughts about where we are right now. Maybe baseball is returning. As a player, how odd would it be for you to play versus no fans, you know, with no fans on a regular basis? Yeah, you know, if you go back um, a couple of months ago, I think when everything was, you know, really turning and the uncertainty was growing as far as just life and society and everything else. Um, I think the, the contrast for a player, it was immense in terms of, wow, okay, if we do play, we have no fans. I think having been in this situation for, you know, a couple of months now, and because there's this famine of, you know, sport and live entertainment and being able to do, you know, what you were born to do and what your livelihood is, I think everyone pivots a bit now and says, hey, whatever, whatever we can do to get back on the field, um, you know, that's, that, that's what we're going to do. And, and really, my thought on, you know, as a former player and even players today, these are the best in the world at what they do. And what makes them successful is their ability to make adjustments and make adjustments quickly, especially at the big league level. So, this will be another adjustment that's made. And there are times that, you know, whether it's spring training on a backfield or maybe it's in the, the spring training stadium where you're having an inter-squad game, there are no fans. Uh, you find a way uh, to still create some type of camaraderie, some type of energy, uh, because when it comes down to it, 
It's about the game. It's about playing the game, throwing the ball, hitting the ball, catching the ball, those things. The fans are wonderful and they're great, uh, but ultimately it still comes down to you know that very core thing. And, and I think the players uh, will adjust. I, I would imagine that ballparks um, and their you know in-house PA and everything else will will do their best to create um, a sound system and an environment that pumps some type of energy, you know, into the ballpark. Um, so I, I would imagine teams are working on that and, and there'll be some creative things uh, that are done as well to help players get maybe a little bit of that boost. You know, Chris, I know I'm jumping way ahead, but, but I'm so sick of talking about like the economics and all that other stuff. Let's what, what could it look like in terms of the competition on the field? Like, I worry about no fans. You lose a little adrenaline, but like you said, you adjust a little bit. But uh, you got to restart spring training, but it's not going to look like a normal spring training. You're not going to get that competition you, you get playing every day. You're going to play inter-squad probably. I mean, do you worry about sloppy play, four-and-a-half-hour games, or do you not even worry about it because it's baseball? No, Jesse, I think it's a great, uh, great question, great perspective in terms of just the adrenaline that's there because I, I could envision – all right, we're coming together for spring training. We're going to have this, you know, makeshift, modified season. We're not going to have fans. Um, from that standpoint of, you know, getting yourself geared up, right? Because when you go to spring training, you're preparing yourself, and then there's this point where you're getting yourself geared up for opening day. And I don't care if you're at the bottom of a division or you're the top of a division. Everyone's geeked up for opening day and sort of that, you know, opening home series, if you will. And not having that, to sort of look forward to in the fashion that you've always been used to, I think there is a possibility for, um, I would say, increased injury uh, for players because of an abbreviated, you know, sort of spring training, but then also um, just not having the juices flowing to that level. um, You know, it's a concern for me. And I'm also looking at depth um, for, you know, and support for those major league rosters, What's that going to look like in terms of, you know, AAA, you know, AA players uh, that are available to be inserted? What level are they able to to sort of stay sharp, get sharp, stay sharp at? And and, and there there are a lot of questions. I mean, a really a, a ton of questions. And uh, I think there's still as much unknown uh, today as there was a month ago about how this will all shake out. Chris Singleton, ESPN baseball analyst and former Sox analyst with Jesse Rogers and Jonathan Hood on Cap and Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Chris, so we'll just put you in this situation. It's it's 2020, and you have a choice on whether you want to play or not. I mean, in this situation, knowing how serious COVID-19 is, based on your salary, would you would you play if you were had your druthers? I think so. I, I think I would play. And, and again... You know, I respect every perspective, opinion, belief, and it's going to vary from one household to the next, um, one player and family to the next, and, and their circumstances that surround um, them exposing themselves in this way. So, you know, it's not a cookie cutter by any means. Um, is every player situation the same? But I would say for me personally, um, where I'm at and, and my you know, even if I was to roll back to, to, you know, when I was still playing and what my um, supporting cast looked like in terms of family, friends, and all those things, 
uh, I think that I would play, especially you get to a certain point where when you think about these athletes and the mindset and the commitment and the determination that they have, you get to a certain point where it's like, I'm either going to die doing what I love doing, and, I, and I'm saying that is sort of an exaggeration. I'm going to die doing what I love doing rather than die because I can't do what I want to do. You know, um, and, and I think there comes there comes that point and when you have athletes as well. We've seen it over the years, all the, the, the trouble and, and bad choices athletes have made because of that feeling of being invincible. Um, at least this is a decision if they decide to make, which is within sort of acceptable confines as opposed to, hey, I'm going to go out, you know, street racing on a uh, crotch rocket motorcycle because, you know, because <laughs> I can. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or I'm going to do something. You know, this is at least, hey, you know what? You're doing something that you should be doing um, if you want to look at, you know, taking a greater risk. This is within the acceptable confines of doing it. And, and I think that uh, for me personally, I would, my uh, perspective on, you know, whether it's uh, immunity, you know, um, whole food nutrition, holistic med, all those things for me, I would be, yeah, let's do it. And, and beyond that, and I think like a lot of players, their wives would be kicking them out the door. <laughs> it's time for you to go to work for multiple reasons. There's no doubt our you know, last guest, Brandon Kinsler, would, would qualify in that in that category. Let me follow up, though, Chris, real quick. Um, it, it, there has to there's 1200 players if you include you know all the 40 man rosters so there's going to be a lot of different opinions but and there's probably is a there are probably a few players that that believe it's probably not worth it you know that may you know it's 82 we got to jump through hoops with the health protocols maybe we just restart in 21 is the type of player just most likely the veteran who's made a lot of money that that has a family is that the guy that's most likely going to say or do you think it could be any any mix? Young guys, old guys, Latin American guys, whatever. Um, I, view, I view the guy with a lot of money as the guy that's most likely to say, let's just come back in 21. Yeah, I think a couple different uh, thoughts on that. I, I, I would say the guy that's most likely to you know, say I'm good is the guy who's clearly on the backside of his career, um, doesn't have – uh, much of a um, financial loss, let's say, compared to what he was making before, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the peak of his career and for a good part of his career. I would say that's the guy that I would just off the cuff would put in that box to say, yeah, that's the most likely guy to say, yeah, you know what, I'm good, I'm done. Because what else you have is you have, let's say, the younger player that's trying to establish himself as a big league player. He's got to go to work. Like, you know, he, he's, he has to. He's got – I mean, that's, that's just the fight. The other guys, let's say you have the security of the contract and you're making, you know, a lot. What's going to happen is the majority of the players, you know, let's say there's an agreement here and there are 20, 30, 40 players that are like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not down with this. I don't want to – they're going to be pressured from a public, um, you know – perspective oh wow you're holding out you got so there'll be pressure there'll be a good number that are pressured into it um that they've got to play and i think that ends up just dominoing so i don't really see a scenario unless um you know unless there's there's just someone that has a real health concern um that they're not playing but i think everyone's playing except for 
maybe a, a couple of guys that are on the backside of that career, not making a whole lot compared to what they made before. Um, but I think everybody else is going to be in. Even after some kicking and screaming, they're going to be right. in. Yeah, it makes sense. Singing, we just want to reach out to you and uh, can't wait to hear you and Boog do Sunday Night Baseball again. Boog is hanging in there with the KBO, but it's not the same without <laughs> you two together doing Major League Baseball. Yeah, thanks a lot. I, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to brush up on my Korean because um, he <laughs> might be, you know, try to drop a few words on me, you know, during a, during a broadcast. But we're looking forward to it as well. <laughs> We love Jesse coming by the booth. We don't know yeah. if that's gonna uh, gonna be in play, but hey, right. you know, what, baby steps, right? First thing is just you know getting back to games, and then we can all kind of pick it up from there. Yeah, I can't wait, can't wait. Hopefully, it's uh, right around July fourth. That'd be fun. Good talking to you, Chris. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me, uh, Chris Singleton, uh, former Chicago White Sox broadcaster and player, currently with ESPN as a baseball analyst with us on Cap and Company. This is Cap and Company. Follow on Twitter at the Cap Man. ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. Cap and Company on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app, along with Jesse Rogers, John the Hood. We're in for Cap today. Carmen Yurko coming your way at twelve. It'll be Waddle and Sylvie at two, followed by the Odds Couple. New time, seven o'clock for the Odds Couple with Mike North and Carmen DeFalco. And uh, Black and Abdallah are on at 8 o'clock in for me for Under the Hood, our broadcast day here on ESPN 1000. Jesse, did you see this from ESPN.com? NHLPA board voting on a 24-team conference-based playoff format. Again, we're talking about COVID-19 again and the National Hockey League trying to figure out what they want to do uh, with the rest of their season. Uh, The playoffs would remain bracketed and would replace the divisional wildcard format the league has used since 2013. The top four seeds in each conference, as determined by their standings points percentage, when the regular season was paused, would receive buys through the first round of the best-of-five play-in series that would feature seeds 5 through 12. Yes, I did see that, and that means the Blackhawks would be the first 12th seed in any sport ever to win a championship. That's the way I view that, because they would be in this weird playoff uh, thing against the Oilers, I guess, the play-in series. They'd be the 12th seed in the West. The Canadians would be the 12th seed in the East. Let's go at it. Why not? Uh, you got to watch out for that very tricky 5-12 matchup always, right? I, I actually, in all seriousness, I like this idea. I do, right, the 5-12 matchup, right? I, I like this idea. There's no regular season. Uh, like we were discussing with Bobby Marks about the NBA, this would be right to the playoffs. Um, you give some teams that were near the playoff hunt a chance in this in the, in, with these playoff series, and that's it. We, we have this tournament, and we call it, a, call it a year, and you get at least you crown a Stanley Cup champion. Boy, what if the Hawks actually do some damage here? So there's going to be some jobs saved. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Colleton would be, would be, you know, they have some parade for Colleton for this team. Well, I think Carmen Yurko said it yesterday. McDonough would come back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> McDonough, here he comes. Bring him back. The, the Mad Men. There he is. The man from Mad Men. There's McDonough saying, look what I did. But yeah. there's some, in all seriousness, if Colleton's job is, is a 
about it'd be like Boylan coming back. You know, the Bulls yeah. and Blackhawks make some weird, you know, run during this this playoff, and the, the, their head coaches are saved. You know, I don't know. I guess it's possible for Carlson. Three one two. No, it's not three one two three three two ESPN three three two three seven seven six is our phone number. Uh, I think we know what this Carlson thing is. I think we know what that what this high, that hire. Was. I think so, but remember they they fired McDonough. They didn't fire Stan, and Stan's the guy that brought Carlton in. Now, maybe Stan's next, but uh, I, my point is if Stan is around, I think Carlton's around, but I, I don't believe Stan will be around. By the way, just quickly before we go to the phone lines, you see the Mike Smith piece in The Athletic? I saw the headline. Never, I never got a chance to read it. Good. It's really good. Lazarus just kind of talked to Mike Smith. Mike Smith, is, his name hasn't been around for a long time. Right. That was Former a, Hawks GM who yeah. really uh, – kind of goes to his own you know thing he's a little out there he takes an axe to the hawks organization i mean well <laughs> it's something boring. i mean when he was there the old man bill wurtz was running things and it was you know it was the weirdest organization in sports right ranked dead last by espn now i think if he was working there now or during the rocky wurtz era he'd feel differently i, I would agree with that uh let's go to st louis listening on the espn chicago app is julian on espn 1000 hey julian Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Good. So I kind of just wanted to go back to what Jesse said about like not being a fan of the DH coming into the uh, NL because the Cubs weren't as deep as they were. But wouldn't you think that that would actually kind of maybe help the Cubs? Because I know you everyone's just a slot sorber straight into that DH spot mm-hmm. there. And then you could put Happen on more and left and center. And don't you think, you know, their offense hasn't been as good, but maybe if they're there for a little bit, they get comfortable, they're good on defense. Couldn't that possibly even help the Cubs more than hurt them? I would disagree with that because, remember, it's all relative. What about all these other teams that are adding a DH and a left fielder and a center fielder? And unless Elmore and Hap turn into some players that we haven't seen yet, I don't see how you can, you can necessarily, it says it, it, it means it helps the Cubs, unless you look at other teams and, and tell me that Elmore and Hap are better than what they can bring to the table, what these other teams bring. So, no, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Julian, we appreciate the phone call. Healy's line open, 312-332-ESPN as our phone number. Russ and Steger on ESPN 1000 on Cap & Company. Hi, Russ. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, uh, thanks, Mr. Rogers and Mr. Hood, uh, for doing the show for Dave. Uh, I also want to give a, a shout-out to Chris and to Danny, uh, Mr. Guy. Um, my, my question was, uh, about a month ago, MLB Station did a story, and they were, they were they were talking about uh, teams that were in good spot, and, and this is for MLB, a uh, good spot, obviously, uh, because they don't have a lot of long-term debt. And the Cubs were one of them. They don't have a lot, a lot of long-term debt on the books. Darvish, Hayward, uh, Lester's done this year. Uh, and then more recently, I saw something that said the Cubs were not, not in good shape uh, financially. Uh, and I was wondering what what has changed from the end of March to now. I mean, obviously they haven't played and stuff, but their their amount of long term debt really hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. I would assume just the, the, the revenue stream is really what's changed, right? Uh, you know that that's pretty much it. Um, we know that they that they haven't wanted to pay that tax, and they wanted to get you know uh, bring the bring the bring the payroll down a little bit more in that respect. But I don't think a lot's changed necessarily. You're right. Um, there's more coming off the books than coming on the books, so to speak, um, uh, with Lester up. And, and, you know, there's like you, you mentioned, Darby. So I don't think a lot's changed other than the revenue stream. Jesse, I'm, I'm going to tell you, 
when David Ross was hired, and I was not a fan of Madden being, you know, whether Madden was let go, Madden and and Epstein parted, whatever, however it is phrased. Right. I I like Madden being on this team. I understand that there's always fatigue between a manager, head coach, and a front office. It happens. I just like Madden in that spot. And with David Ross in, I know the Cubs are looking for maybe it's just some kind of quick spark, maybe one more run at this thing by having a new man in place. But if they get off to a slow start, it's going to be what I think this David Ross era is, and that is not necessarily a teardown, but it's going to be some parts being let go and you're somewhat rebuilding where it sucks when you're in the middle. And I feel like the Cubs are middling, and they're going to be that in 21, maybe 22, as they try to figure this thing out because – Again, no Lester at some point, no Rizzo at some point, no no Bryant. That means that you're you're building around Baez and others, and that's that's kind of how I see it in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. They they have some big decisions to make, but we're not remember you're talking about the losses. It doesn't mean they won't add some people. I mean, Mookie wow. Betts is going to be a free agent. Like, I mean, there's you know, it's not just about uh, shedding salary. Hopefully, but it. If, here's the thing. If they're going to shed salary, then they should just do it, you know, just just rebuild. But if, if they're going to be able to spend some money, then then uh, there's no reason that they can't continue with with some other guys in the core. You know what I mean? I mean, just because maybe Bryant moves on doesn't mean Baez and Schwarber and Rizzo still could be here. And then maybe you bring in another free agent, you know, so you could keep this thing going if they're able to spend a few bucks and keep that payroll somewhat high. But if they have to dump, then you may as well rebuild. With a wink and a nod, that's if Theo's around after 21, after his deal's over. Yeah, I mean, maybe Jed ascends and they rebuild from with, with, with him at the top, or maybe they try to keep keep winning with, with Ross growing into the job. And like I said, they they bring in some free agents and hopefully some draft picks. Here. I mean, my point is I don't think I don't think their script has been written just yet. You know, full rebuild, middling team, contender. I don't think we know what, what 21-22 is necessarily going to bring. They have a lot of work to do. We do know that. See what this virus has brought? A lot of speculation. Because with a half season, you still won't know. Because yeah, here's what you're going to write, Jesse. You're going to write, hey, you know what? It's a half season. Guys had a little bit of a spring training, but it's not like the full spring training where you're getting ready. So now we're now the baseball world's turned upside down. You really don't know even after this season. Whenever we have a season, we still won't know who's really good because this season will have an asterisk. In 21, you'll be able to know what Cubs baseball is because you won't, no matter who has the crown at the end, you still won't really know. Cause, no, cause it's, a great, it's, it's, it's a great point. And, 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 and just going into this 20 season, you know, if, uh, World Series contender. And so, I mean, th- I have no idea. I mean, the Giants could be the, the champion at the end of this 2020 season. <laughs> yeah. The White Sox might go on a run. I don't know. It's This is uncharted territory for sure. So, yes, whatever the final results are in 2020, they're probably not going to give us a full picture of what 21 is going to look like. But at least every team is on the same playing field, right? They all have to make these incomplete dis, uh, decisions, basically, about their future. And it's involving a lot of money and, and, and players and free agents and all that stuff with with uh, half a season to go off of. You know, it's going to be interesting. Columbus Junction, Iowa, listening on the ESPN Chicago app is Dave on ESPN 1000 on Cap & Company. Hi, Dave. Hi there. I just want to make a couple points. There is going to be some baseball in the U.S. in June. The state of Iowa high schools are going to have um, summer baseball and softball beginning June 1. Games begin June 15th. 
Yeah, I heard that. I, I mean, I wish there was an avenue for Illinois. My son's, you know, varsity season has been canceled, but you know, it'd be great if there was an avenue for that to happen here. So, yes, yeah, slowly but surely, we're gonna we're gonna have some some form of baseball this summer in different places, amateur and at the pro pro ranks, hopefully. And at least we'll get that out of uh, we'll get something out of this. With Jesse Rogers, John the Hood, with you on Cap and Company. Did you miss some Cap and Company? Your podcast is ready. Chicago's home for sports is on the all new ESPN Chicago app. This is Cap and Company on ESPN One Thousand. Along with Jesse Rogers, Jonathan Hood with you on Cap and Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. This portion of which is brought to you by Weedman. Don't let mosquitoes take a bite out of your summer. Go to WeedmanUSA.com. Again, WeedmanUSA.com today. I was a little irked, Jesse, at your conversation with uh, Matt Nagy. You and Sylvie talking to Matt Nagy, the head coach for the... Uh, which part? Uh, there's a number of them. Um, but... <laughs> You know, and, and it, nice guy, you know, but, but you know, I, I'm glad that both of you addressed uh, not playing starters in the preseason. Nagy seems like he landed on the sword on that, saying, you know what, that might have been a mistake. But this whole thing of, of not running the football more uh, is was irksome to me in the conversation. Um, is he mad at, at himself for not running the football more, Nagy says? First of all, the thing that I, that I really appreciate that you just started that off with is that you were honest and you are able to say that. You know, I, I appreciate that. I don't think there's enough of that that goes on in this world. So thank you for being honest. Number two is, is our, yeah, I did start there because, you know, you have to be able to run the football in this league to win. You have to. And, but you also need to throw the football. So there's a balance there, and every game is different. There's some games where the matchup just isn't good, and as much as we want to look at the fantasy stats and say, I, my guy needs 30 carries, that's just not going to happen because they got a better defensive line or they have you know nine guys in the box. That's how that goes. And so that's the, that's the beauty of coaching. That's the beauty of the scheming part. Well, we need to be better there. I need to be better there. Uh, the other part of it, too, is, is just for us to say, step back and say, okay, if we're going to run the ball, how are we going to do it? And that's what I think has been fun for us here in the off season is trying to understand, is it by personnel, right? Is it, and then if it is, what is it and who is it? And then number two is, okay, if, if that's obviously something that we made changes on this off season, now is it by scheme? Maybe, maybe not, okay? And so now you put that together, and now all of a sudden um, it's a lot easier – to call run plays when they're productive. And so you have to stay balanced. And But running the ball, I totally understand what you're saying and totally understand your frustration. And and uh, trust me, I, I know, you know, being a quarterback guy and wanting to throw the ball and, and all that, I, you know, you get labeled with that. But I'm all about running it, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing us uh, get better in that area this year. Okay, that's a full answer, but this part. And as much as we want to look at the fantasy stats and say, I, my guy needs 30 carries, that's just not going to happen because they've got to. Once again, this is the second or third time that he's brought it up. When somebody is at House Hall asking him, why don't you run the football more, he brings up fantasy stats. No, no one, no one is saying that you need to run a football because of fantasy stats. You run the football for balance on your offense. 
Like, like, I'm not I'm not looking for the Bears to run the football like Peyton's back there in 1985. I'm not saying that. What I'm, what I'm saying is is that if you have Montgomery, if you don't, if you're not sure if Montgomery is going to be the guy long term, let him run the football. Look at look at this offense, Jesse. 15 to 17 points a game. Obviously. Ten, uh, obviously, Trubisky can't get the ball down the field enough. His weapons are dropping the football. Bad offensive line. So, but so you're going to put that car in the garage and not allow him and not and not allow uh, Montgomery to run the football? That doesn't make sense to me. What's interesting from that answer is that I mean, it's like one of these guys that recognizes the problem but does nothing to fix it. I mean, that's something I would have said in se- you know I would have said in season because. If he had given that answer in week seven, week eight, week nine, I would have been like, well, you know the problem, so go ahead and fix it. Like, did it take him looking back at the season to, to, to realize that and make that, you know, have that epiphany? Or, or was he helpless to do anything about it? You know what I mean? Could he not fix it until the offseason? Uh, but the first step, of, recognize, the first step of, of fixing a problem is recognizing you have one, right? Yeah. So I guess – He's there. He's at that point. Now we have to see the solution play out. I, I just don't like the idea for him almost a sideswipe to media or fans saying, oh, you want us to run the football because of fantasy stats, right? Well, no. Stop, stop saying fantasy stats. The first oh, yeah, time, I'm not sure why he referenced fantasy. Well, it's, it's the second or third time he's done that. And the first time, it was kind of like he did it with a chuckle, like, oh, you guys are the fantasy stats, right? No, even when he was at Kansas City, they ran the football. If anyone watched the Super Bowl and watched Kansas City against San Francisco, along with utilizing the tight end, along with getting the ball down the field, was the running game. It is not so passe that you can't do it. Yeah, I mean, he'd love for Trubisky or Foles to throw the football 50 times. And that is part of the NFL, but you also have to be able to run it some. And, and if you don't believe in the old school, oh, you got to run it in, in November and December in the cold months, then you got to run it whenever <laughs> because Montgomery is, is more than just a guy that can just sit back there and run between the tackles. You know, there's a different way to do that now. Now it's a two-yard, three-yard pass. That's also considered a run play as well. And when you throw it out in the flat, Jesse, so I just, you know. I just I, I don't know why he keeps ringing up fantasy stats anytime someone says hey maybe you should run the football more. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what that because what nobody's ever asked a, a, at least that I know of a, a head football coach about fantasy stats that would be stupid from a, a, a media perspective or a talk show host unless it's just joking around. Right. So I'm not I'm not sure where that comes from. But here's my uh, you know uh, my extent of my football knowledge. You should run the ball when they think you're going to pass it. You should pass it when they think you're going to run it. Boom. <laughs> And those are the only two things you can do, run or pass. Thank you very Try much. Try to confuse the, the defense and do the other thing. That's it. Along with Jesse Romo, Jonathan Hood with you here on Captain <laughs> Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, Sunday at 1 o'clock on Turner Broadcasting, right, guys? It's on TNT, TBS. The, uh, the match, Champions for Charity, features golf and NFL legends. So here you go with your prop bets, pal. You ready? First team to win a hole, it's Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Mickelson and, and Tom Brady. Woods and Manning minus 125, Mickelson and Brady plus 105. The first team to win a hole. Well, this is Tiger's home course, so you've got to take Tiger. You have to take Tiger, In that, for, especially for that one, first team to win a hole. Yes, T- I would agree with you. Team leading after nine holes, Woods and Manning minus 145, Mickelson and Brady plus 125. Leading after nine holes, Tiger and Peyton or Tom Brady or Phil Mickelson? I'm still going to take Tiger. 
I'm going to say early in the contest, they're feeling their way out uh, around things. I'm going to take Tiger. Chris, weren't you a lefty fan? You you liked like, like Nicholson some, right? Phil Mickelson? Yeah. As a lefty yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm done with a short game. Who isn't? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, something you consider for sure. Yeah. Now, um, having, having said that, for the match, I might go Mickelson. I might go Mickelson because he is hell-bent on beating Tiger on his home course. Mm-hmm. So I think early I would favor Tiger because the home course thing. But as they go along here, I, I'm going to take – I would take Mickelson late. So if there's some – Back nine thing, I would go Mickelson. Here's some value. All square after 18 holes. Yes, plus 375. No, minus 475. No. No. No, no ties. No, 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 not all square after 18 holes. It'd be, it'll be thrilling television. And the other thing is, too, is I don't know what kind of golfer uh, Tom Brady is. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, your typical, I mean, football player quarterback uh athletes they're good but no, i don't think he's he's like a scratch golf or anything like that yeah so that's that's the thing so that's going to be uh and we knew this was going to happen you remember we used to talk about something like this for a, a television show now it's happening again but this is not on pay-per-view it's on on t- uh TV- tnt yeah tnt yeah well i'm excited about it are you excited about it i will watch it yes am i, I excited about watch it? it i need to watch a few holes and we'll see if i'm excited about it i i will watch you know why because live sports there you go. Yeah, so but I'd, I would watch this even even if we didn't have live sports. I absolutely would. I think this is cool that Brady and Manning are teaming up with two of the greats. I think this is really cool. Ultimately, we peer, we pull back the layers of this. This is Woods against Mickelson all over again. That's that's the focus. It is. It is. But I'm kind of interested in Manning versus Brady. I just am. I don't know why. It's just to see how they how these great athletes are at a, a different sport that a lot of athletes end up playing. You know, I I, I like. I think it's cool. Carmen and Yurko are next.